We have some guests, James Parker and his wife. <laughs> this is a chalkboard, absolutely. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and we are glad that you have come to worship tonight the true and the living God. Amen. What a blessing it is to be able to come and worship the Lord for who He is and what He does because He does amazing things. And just like the song said, we have victory in Jesus. Through His blood we have redemption and we have reconciliation to God and we can be found right in His eyes and we can have heaven be our home if we live faithful to Him unto death. Amen? I do want to start off by saying that I had, uh, we had talked about me coming out with a joke, and I do have two jokes that I've been holding back, but I can't find them. Um, they're somewhere in a tote, and I don't know exactly where they're at, but don't worry, don't fret, right? I got another one. A Bible class teacher asked her class on Sunday morning if... I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and give all the money to the church, would I go to heaven? The children answered, no. She said, if I cleaned the church building every day, mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would I then get to go to heaven? Again, the children answered, no. Well, she continued, How then can I get to heaven? In the back room, a five-year-old boy stood up and he said, You gotta be dead. <laughs> there we go. Brother James, y'all came on a good night. I cranked it off good. Usually I get no response. I get a bless your heart laugh is what I usually get. <clears throat> Tonight I want to talk about back to the basics. And I've got some verses on the PowerPoint. And I want to say this from the beginning. I hope that I didn't mess any of them up because there's a lot of them. And I hope that they're okay. But just I apologize if any of them are off. And if they are, then we'll go to the Scripture and find it. But I want to start off by saying one of the most dangerous phrases for members of the body of Christ is the phrase... Going through the motions. This phrase is very similar to uh, people who know sports. You know, uh, this is what happens when people start going through the motions in ball is people begin to go through a slump. This slump means that the team isn't given the best effort, or maybe they were at one time and things just didn't go how it needed to go. This is real familiar with baseball. You could hit really good and then for whatever reason, all of a sudden you just can't hit the ball right, so you go into this slump. And you begin to have doubts, you begin to... Uh, have frustration, you begin to have despair, you have a whole uh, built up emotions in your, in your mind and you just seem to not be able to get out of it. And people 
in this slump, people who are just going through the motions put themselves in a bad position. It just becomes normal to them. They can't get out of it, so you know what? I'm just not even going to try anymore. But there's a solution to this problem. Over the years of playing ball myself, I knew when we weren't doing exactly what we were supposed to do. I remember my junior year in high school, we were 2-8 and eight in football. Terrible record. And one of the things that was constantly told to me and my team was by the coach that we're going to get back to the fundamentals, right? We're going to get back to the fundamentals. We're going to start all over. We seem to not be able to do the plays that we're supposed to do. I remember we had a set of 20 plays that we would run. We dropped all 20 plays and we ran four plays. Dive to the right. Dive to the left. Pitch to the left. Pitch to the right. The bad thing was I played quarterback and I wanted to throw. And all we did was run the ball because we were going to get back to the fundamentals. We were going to get ourselves back in a place where we could be successful in life, in the game of life, in the game of football. But this is so true for the church today. When we as Christians find ourselves in a slump so to speak, we must stress fundamentals. Amen? Sometimes we need to get back to the basics. We know them. We understand them. But sometimes we need to be reminded of them and encouraged again by them. When Jesus was talking to the church at Ephesus, He told them in Revelation 2, I didn't even put it in there. Revelations 2, 4, it said, Nevertheless, you know this verse, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. They had left their first love. They had left the things that they first fell in love with. So I want us to go back to the basics, and here is the first point. And this is a big word for me invigorate our faith. If we want to get back to having a fire for the Lord, to having a passion to do God's will, we must invigorate our faith. Our faith must be energized. Amen? Because Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The word faith means a firm conviction. The word faith is a confident trust in what you believe, whatever it is. And here we are as Christians and we believe who Jesus is and what He did. Amen? We know that He is the one who saves us from our sins. And just like I said earlier, He is the one who gives us the victory. So why is faith important in our lives? Why is it so important to us as Christians? Because of Hebrews eleven six, Without faith, if we don't have any faith, it's impossible to please Him, isn't it? 
If we don't have any faith, we're not going to please Him. For he who comes to God, whoever wants to come to God, must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. John 20, verse 30 and 31, near the end of the gospel it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. See, faith in Jesus, belief in Jesus is the key to knowing who Jesus is. Faith in Jesus, knowing what He is and what He's about and what He's done, allows us to be strong in our faith. Matthew 14, 30 and 31. You remember when Peter uh, walks, Jesus is walking on the water and this is when uh, Peter starts to walk out on the water and then when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? You see, the opposite of having faith is doubt. The opposite of having a strong faith is a person who doubts. That's a person who is doubting. You know, I think about baseball when we talk about this slump because, and I don't know if every baseball player does this. Micah and Eric would probably know better. Timothy, those who play baseball. But I remember when I was younger, I couldn't quite get my swing right. So I'd try to choke up on my bat. I'd try to hold my elbow up a little different. I'd try to widen my stance or move back. And I would try all of these things when really all I needed to do was just keep doing exactly what I had already been doing and was successful doing. But I began to doubt. I began to doubt the thing that I was doing was going to be successful. And therefore, my faith and my belief that I was going to be able to hit the ball began to drop. And I fell into this doubting Peter mind frame and my faith became lower and lower until I just did whatever I needed to do. I began to go through the motions. It didn't really matter if I got a hit or not. It doesn't even matter if I sit on the bench. It don't matter if coach pulls me out and never puts me in. It doesn't even matter anymore. Now think about that application spiritually. Think about how dangerous that attitude is. I'm just going to go do what I got to do because I got to do it. It doesn't really help me. I mean, I just do the same stuff out in the world. It doesn't really help me to come to church and pray and sing and stuff. Ever been there? Dangerous area. So how do we invigorate our faith? How do we energize our faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever things were written before, what were they written for? For our learning. 
Why do I learn about David? Why do I learn about Moses? Why do I learn about Joseph? Think about the story of Joseph, brethren. Think about the story of Joseph in his life and what happened. His brothers put him in a pit and they was going to let him die. They felt bad about doing that and they pulled him out and just sold him into slavery. And at the end of that story, what does Joseph tell his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Those types of stories should energize our faith. Amen? Those types of stories should energize us as Christians. Because what we see from God's Word is He keeps His promises. He's not a liar. If He says it, it's going to be done. If He says it's going to happen, He does it, right? Good or bad. That's the danger of living a lukewarm life. Because in the end, there's going to be a place of everlasting punishment and a place of everlasting joy. And we get to be in either one. We have to make the choice on which one we want to spend for the rest of our life. So we see that whatever things were written before were written for our learning. To increase our faith. And if it's not a part of our lives, then how strong is our faith? If God's Word isn't a part of our life, and we've kind of talked about this all day, from class this morning to the lesson this morning, but if God's Word isn't a part of your life daily, then how strong is your faith? How strong is your faith if God's Word is not in your mind, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not meditating on it? How strong is your faith? So not only do we have to invigorate our faith, but we need to reinforce our hope. What is hope? The happy anticipation of good, isn't it? It's the happy anticipation of something good. It's not the, I hope it happens. I hope that one day maybe I'll get to go to heaven. That's not the hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about the confident expectation. Brethren, don't you believe that when you obeyed the gospel, that you, uh, if you were faithful unto death, that you're going to get to go to heaven? Do you believe that? Do you expect that God's going to keep His promise, that if you do what He says, then heaven will be your home? Absolutely we believe that. That's what keeps us going, doesn't it? See, our faith is... All, this, all of the stuff put together. I believe that I'm going to go to heaven one day. I believe that baptism is for remission of my sins. I believe that if I confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that He'll confess me before the Father. I believe those things, right? I believe that hope is real. I believe that one day Jesus is going to come back and He's going to take His children with Him and we're going to all get to go be in heaven forever and ever. Amen? But why is that important for us? Why is hope important for us? Why should we think about keeping this hope energized? 
or reinforced in our life. Something that is a part of us. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the sight of our God and Father. I really like this, and I didn't mean it to fall in like this, but it did. And I guess the Bible class that I teach in the morning, just don't get aggravated with me because I'm going to be very repetitive. But this just fell into place, and I'm just going to use it because we talked about it this morning. This verse, being patient of this hope that we have, preserves us. Think about that. It preserves us. You remember we talked about what preserving means? And and Doug had a great comment. He said it's keeping it from dying. You know, you preserve it for later and then you go back and get it and you open it up and you eat it and it's good, right? What's happening right now for us as Christians is we're being preserved till one day we're opened up and we get to go to heaven. This hope is what holds us where we need to be at. It keeps us from going bad. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 is huge when we talk about going and evangelizing to other people. You know, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. Are we ready, brethren, to give a defense? Are we ready to give a defense to everyone who asks us for the reason of the hope that's within us? Are we ready to talk about it? Are we ready to get into a conversation with somebody about the hope that's in us? Well, if that hope is in us that is just a dead hope, it's just a eh, mediocre type of hope, how is your response going to be to that person? It's not going to be very good, is it? If your hope is not where it needs to be, if your hope is not thinking, you know what, Jesus Christ could... Jesus Christ could come back right now, brethren. Wouldn't that be awesome? If Jesus Christ came back right now, would that not be awesome? Is that the way we live our lives? Hey, why do you believe what you do? Here's why I believe what I do. And I want, matter of fact, I'm glad that you asked me that question because I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to hear what I got to tell you. Because there's this one day is going to come and Jesus is going to come back. But you know, we're not promised tomorrow. So what I want to tell you is I'm going to give you this gift I'm going to give you this opportunity to hear something that will change your life forever. And boom, there you are. You have the opportunity to give somebody hope. So many people in this world, brethren, and you know them, have no hope in their life. I talk to people all the time who have run out of hope. They don't have no hope. I just don't know about living anymore. I just don't know about it. It ain't even worth it. I try and try and try. But as a Christian, if it's energized, if it's reinforced, if it's thought about in your life, it changes the way you live. Amen?
See, the finishing of first of Romans chapter 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. These stories build hope within us. David was a terrible guy, yet he was a man after God's own heart. David did terrible things, but when he sinned, you know what? He admitted it. And then you see a story of Noah. You see a person who obeyed God, and him and his family were saved from water. You see Moses, a man who killed somebody, leads a nation of people out of Egypt. A powerful nation. Unbelievable things happening. The Israelites go into captivity and they're able to come back and set up the temple again. Over and over we see these things. And the most important and the most impressive and the most awesome is this. A man came on the scene and said, I'm going to die and in three days I'm going to come back to life. He called it out. And the reason I'm going to do this is I'm going to do it for you and for future generations of people. And he did it. He beat death. He called it out and he did exactly what he said. That is a story of hope, isn't it? He says that I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect so that when you die, if you believe in me and you do what I ask you to do and you're obedient... Until death, you're going to be in heaven with me. I go to prepare this place for you. And if I go to prepare it, I'm going to come back and I'm going to let you see what I prepared for you. You know, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace of that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, nothing helps reinforce your hope more than hearing about the final resting place, doesn't it? Doesn't that reinforce the hope that you have within you? To know that one day the resting place for the saints is going to be in heaven? What an encouraging thing to think about. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3 says, For consider him who endured, endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. This shows us that our hope is not in vain. And when we get discouraged, we can focus on Jesus. You know the saying in ball, when you get down and you get discouraged... When, you, when, you, when, you, when you're chasing that championship and, you, and you're wanting to win those ball games and you're wanting to be the top team in the league or whatever it is, and you find yourself in this slump, you find yourself just kind of going through the motions and the team really can't get back going and get their bearings going right, you know, either a coach or somebody comes in and they say, keep your eyes on the prize. You know what I'm talking about? And just that one comment could change the whole thing. You know what? You're right. I'm not doing this for nothing. 
The labor that I'm doing, the tough times that I'm going through are not for nothing. One day I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. And I'm going to get to worship and I'm going to get to praise Him forever and ever and ever. Which brings me to my third point. We get to enjoy our peace. Now what is peace? Harmonious relations. Not only between God, but between man and between ourselves. You know, the peace that passes understanding. What's the importance of peace? Well, it's an element of the kingdom. Look at this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. (laughs) You know, what's beautiful about what we talked about this morning, about blessed are those who are meek, you know, we talked about those, that list in Psalm 37 and what that does is it takes the pressure off of the person. And when you take those pressures off, when we got to 30, uh, Psalm 37, 11, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. And then it says that they will have peace. Why is that? Why do they have peace? Because they pursue it. They don't want to be worried all the time. They don't want to live in a state of confusion and misunderstanding. They're not going to look to others and be jealous of them. No, they're going to look to God and for His guidance. And what that causes is peace. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then what what does the Bible say? And then the peace that passes all understanding, guards your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that passes understanding. God wants us to strive to live a peaceful life. You can't live a peaceful life if you've got a bunch of drama going on in your life. Amen? Uh, you, you can't. And why do you have the drama? Have you done something wrong to somebody? Have you said something? Have you started the mess? Do you need to go make it right? Then go make it right. Has somebody else done something wrong to you and they're just not willing to forgive you? Will you be ready to forgive them? You have the mind that you say, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person. Even though they don't want to talk to me right now, if they would ever come up to me and say, you know what, Uh, I'm sorry for what I did, I'm going to say, you know what, I forgive you. And then I'm going to go on with my life because I want to live at peace. Because that's what makes me successful to edify other people. When I pursue righteousness, when I pursue joy, when I pursue peace, it changes who I am. You know, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this, Finally, brethren, farewell. 
Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Be of one mind. As he's finishing off this letter to the Corinthians, he says, be of one mind and live in peace. Here's the beauty of living in peace. And the God of love and peace is going to be with you. He's going to be with you. See, living at peace in your life opens the door for you to have a true relationship with God. Because it allows you to read His Word and understand it and gain the knowledge. Just like I talked about, when drama is going on in your life and tough situations aren't dealt with, you can't read God's Word and understand it like you're supposed to, can you? Because you're constantly thinking about the situation. He says, be of one mind and live in peace. Enjoy the peace that God gives you when you do the right things. Enjoy this time where you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing and you have peace in your life. Your bills are paid. You don't have a bunch of tough situations going on. Your kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Enjoy those times. Maybe not everything around you is perfect, but can you be at peace knowing that things aren't perfect in your life? Let me just tell you this, and you probably know it. It ain't ever going to be perfect, is it? Life will never be perfect until we're at rest. But when we're at rest, there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more of those things. But right now there is. So God is saying, take it off of you. You remember we talked about rolling it to the Lord this morning? Roll it to the Lord and have peace in your life. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, When a man's way please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Think about that. When a man's ways please the Lord, when you're focused on doing God's will, you change the environment around you. I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I mess up all the time, but I did do something, and it's been a while ago, that really made me proud. Somebody had done something to me, and it hurt my feelings. All right? I know that's hard for you to believe, but my feelings was actually hurt. Maybe it's not hard for you to believe. My feelings do get hurt, but my feelings were hurt. And it bothered me. It, it kept me a little bit from being able to study like I was supposed to study. It was keeping me from doing the things, taking care of Aaron and loving on her and the kids. Not that I wasn't doing that, but it was hindering me. And you know, I kept praying about it. I kept trying to figure out what I needed to do. And finally I just decided, you know what? I need to go talk to that person and work this out. And I did it. And you know what happened after I worked it out? I had peace. I said, why in the world did I not do that a long time ago? Even if I was the weaker person in it. Even if I was the one that would, should have had the right to say something to him. I felt really good and I felt at peace with myself. Romans chapter 5 and I'm just about done. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are these basic fundamentals so neglected in the lives of Christians? Because we talk about them all the time, don't we? 
We think about them all the time. They're always getting preached. And you know, they just become a routine for us. They just become a part of who we are and we just, I know that. I understand that. But I want to encourage you with two verses as we leave. And I ask, I'm just going to ask you, please do it if you would, at least two or three days this week. Use these two verses for your encouragement. Use these two verses. Read them uh, in the morning, in the night, whenever you do. Read them and then meditate on them and think about them and apply them to your life. The first one is James chapter 1, verse 21. And this is what it says. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. This week, try your best to lay aside all filthiness. Try this week your best to cut out the wickedness and receive with meekness, remember we talked about meekness, the implanted Word. Receive God's Word and understand that, you know what, it may cause me to have to change some things. Because God's Word is what is, what is able to save our souls. Amen? And the second one is this. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Don't just pray one or two times. Be vigilant. Be in it. Be wanting to be a part of it. Let it be in your life. Constantly, continually, earnestly want to pray to God this week. And I'm, I'm not saying that you don't, but I just want to encourage you with those two verses. I hope that they'll encourage you. I hope this lesson has encouraged you. I know I stumbled through it a little bit. I left out a couple PowerPoint slides that I needed to put in. And when I do that, it always throws me off. Because I want to present it perfectly for you. Not because I want you to say, great job, Matt. Because I want you to be encouraged by this thing. By God's Word. It has changed my life. And I'll forever be thankful for that. And I know that's the same for you too. I don't want to be disrespectful to His Word and I don't want to be disrespectful to you. I'm so honored to be up here. I can't even believe it still to this day. But I say, thank you, Lord. What an awesome God you are. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with something. Maybe you're here and you need to obey the gospel. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Ananias told Paul when his eyes were blinded, he told him to receive his sight and he told him that God had big plans for him. But before he could get into those plans, he told him, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Maybe you need your sins washed away. Whatever you need, come right now so together we stand and sing.